I am deeply grateful as one born in England and living through the Second World War and in recent months my wife and I watching various historical videos, DVDs of those war years. I say to you, America, thank you for coming to our rescue. We could not have possibly survived had you not come to our aid. And the miracle of this day as we celebrate those who laid down their lives is this, that as I watched those historic, not just dramatic movies made in Hollywood, but the historical drama unfolded and captured on film, and the narrative that went with it, describing the state of affairs, it is a miracle of God that any of us ever survived. On this side of things, with the victory in hand, and how the world has developed, it is amazing, back when we saw how dominant Nazi Germany was, and how country after country fell to them, and then America getting caught by surprise and Pearl Harbor happening and the fleet destroyed in the harbor at anchor. One would have stood there and looked at the world scene and said, civilization as we know it is finished. But praise be to God, that was not so. So as we celebrate our victories and the greatness of this nation and the freedoms we enjoy, we say thank you to God as well. Without him, all would have been lost. And without America joining itself to the battle, we would not have survived. You paid a great price. And I, for one, and the rest of us who came through that period say to you, thank you. Thank you for being there, not just for us, but for the world. So as we come and look at God's word and reflect on it in the light of what we have seen and heard this morning, let me ask you to bow your heads with me, and we will talk to the Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for the power of your spirit and your strength. Thank you for our being here to celebrate as we have, for the wonder of music and the talent and the rehearsed time and words coordination and all the visuals that made our experience something to wonder at here this morning. Thank you.
as we come to your word now. Please, Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, for those of you who are visiting, and just to remind you, not that you will have missed it, those of you who are regulars here, we are in a series concerning the great I Am statements of Jesus. And as we planned our way through this, we began on Easter Sunday with the great statement of Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So we co-joined the I Am to the Easter celebration. Speaking of the resurrection. Wonderfully, we were able to synchronize for this morning on Memorial Day the statement of Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. And how does he express that goodness? How is he the good shepherd? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And as this narrative unfolds in John chapter 10, there are a number of things by which we can appreciate how good the shepherd is. We have already said God is good and responded all the time, all the time, God is good. The shepherd image of Jesus is taken from the culture of that day. We're not really foreigners to it ourselves today. We know a little bit about sheep and shepherding. But when Jesus said he was a shepherd, he didn't just describe himself merely as a shepherd. He was a good shepherd. And he contrasts that to the phony shepherds, the hirelings, those who were in it for pay. Those who were just doing a job to earn some money and when trouble came, they fled. They were gone. In contrast to crummy, lousy, just-for-pay leadership, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. And in the face of whatever onslaught the good shepherd, willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And just as men and women have laid down their lives for us throughout the history of this nation, that we might be a free people. The supreme example 
of one who gave the supreme sacrifice is Jesus himself. So we'll look at this together. We're in John chapter 10, and you'll find some of the verses we'll look at on page 6 in your service sheet. If you'll turn there, you may find it helpful. Across the page is a page where you can make notes, should you choose to. But here we are looking at Jesus describing himself as the Good Shepherd. And the first thing we will note about a shepherd from that day is this, that a shepherd is a leader. The shepherd leads. He's not just in amongst the flock, woolying up to them, so that you can barely distinguish him from the flock. The shepherd leads in contrast to Western shepherds today. So if you go to Scotland or to New Zealand or wherever sheep are raised, shepherds do not lead them. They drive them with a dog snipping at their heels. Well-trained sheepdogs. The Israeli shepherd still to this day, leads the sheep. So in John chapter 10 and verse 3, you have these words. The watchman opens the gate for him, for the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice, the shepherd's voice, and he calls out his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. He leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. So Jesus, in being the good shepherd, is saying of himself that he is a good leader. The good shepherd leads just for whatever it is we need, the help we need, the leadership we need. One of the things I have discovered through all my years of ministry is this, that nothing, absolutely nothing, moves in the right direction without leadership, without good leadership. Nothing good happens by accident. Crowds are not moved by accident to do the right thing. Whether it's churches, institutions, schools, businesses, we need leadership and we need good leadership. It's no wonder that the Bible describes us as sheep. When Jesus lamented the state of affairs in his day, he saw us as sheep without a shepherd. So just milling around, the shepherd is a leader. Jesus, as the good shepherd, is a good leader. So in Psalm 23, you have a brilliant description in the Lord is my shepherd of leadership. How does Jesus, taking him to be the shepherd of that 
Psalm 23, lead us. He leads us beside the still waters. He leads us into green pastures. He leads us into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus brilliantly epitomizes, almost as if it were prophetic of him, Psalm 23. He is the good shepherd. And any goodness we enjoy is because of God Almighty himself. We don't stumble into goodness as a people. All we ever devolve, all we ever do rather, is devolve into debauchery, into filth, into waywardness, into licentiousness, without leadership, without good leadership. Life becomes chaotic. Your family becomes chaotic. Our school systems become chaotic. Our politics become chaotic. We are bearing witness to it everywhere we look. The moral fiber of our nation, without good leadership, is rotting. And all good people have to do in order that evil triumph and succeed is what? Nothing. Stand by and watch. Sit in the pews, sit in the crowd. Stand by and watch. Jesus is a leader. He is a good, strong leader. That's the first image of the good shepherd. He leads. Caring for us, not deserting us, the hireling flees. The flock gets ravaged. Jesus, the good shepherd, willing to lay down his life for the sheep. Second thing that's described, and here you can look at verse 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and my, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. So just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. So another thought is introduced here. That Jesus knows who we are. When you go back to the earlier part of John 10, and I would encourage you, just as part of your own reading across this weekend, to read John's Gospel, chapter 10. Because one of the things you will note is that Jesus knows his sheep. In verse 3, again, as the watchman opens the gate for him, Jesus, the good shepherd, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls out his own sheep by name. So when it says he knows us, it's not just as a general population, like knowing what kind of people we are, knowing in general what kind of needs we have, knowing the kind of culture that's raised us. He knows all that for sure. 
But here is the brilliant, individualistic wonder of Jesus. He knows you. You by name. You are not lost to him. And as Jesus takes on this image, he describes from the culture of that day who he is. What he's able to do. The sheep were known by name. They were given names by their shepherd. He could call them by name. Still does. He knows you. And just as we recollected that the Lord is present here as we began our worship, He is here. He knows what you're dealing with. He never gets caught by surprise concerning what happens to you. He knows who you are. He calls you by name. And again, the wonder of his love for us in this is that he calls us by name, he knows us, and he cares about us. When in Psalm 23 it speaks about the rod and the staff, one to beat away any marauding wolf or anyone who comes after to steal, to kill or destroy the sheep, to beat them off, drive them off. David was brilliant with a slingshot, you will remember. And what was David when he was called into service? A shepherd boy. And he could hit Goliath with a slingshot because he was practiced at protecting sheep. The shepherd takes care of the sheep. The rod and the staff, with the staff, the shepherd's crook, to rescue a sheep that's caught in the cleft of a rock, out of reach, to put the hook around them, draw them back to safety. And how does Jesus describe it when one of the sheep gets lost? The shepherd goes looking for the one lost sheep. He knows he's missing one. And when he goes looking for that one lost sheep, he is not going around saying, trying to act like a sheep. He can call the sheep by name. He goes looking for it by name. Jesus is here this morning calling your name, calling out to you by name. He's not just sort of casting his eye over the crowd as I am here. He can pick you out. He is. And speaking to you by name. That's our good shepherd. He's not a hireling. You are not somebody else's sheep. When trouble hits, the hireling runs. Jesus, when trouble hits, calls you by name comes after you to protect you. He knows who you are. That's the good shepherd. And as is said throughout the whole of this passage, even as it was read to you, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And the ultimate sacrifice, which is what we always honor 
with that address, the ultimate sacrifice for those who lay down their lives. There's nothing more they could give. It cost them everything. It cost their families the lives of those that were laid down in death, in war, in battle. That ultimate sacrifice paid on our behalf. The blood of Americans has been shed for you. It's on the battlefields of the world. Real blood shed for you. We often don't think of it in those terms. We think of it in terms of the numbers who died, maybe the loss and sacrifice of the families. My wife's mother had by her TV set an 8 by 10 photograph of one of her brothers one of my wife's mother's brothers, 8 by 10 in naval uniform, right there, because Gust died on a battleship in the Pacific. And she, his little sister, never, ever forgot him. And the loss that it was to that family lived on throughout that generation. It wasn't just like that. It wasn't the moment you got the bad news. Throughout the whole of the life of that family, I am aware that Gust died in the Pacific. One man. And amazingly, Kathy's brother and a cousin went to the library and got out literature on the war in the Pacific. And those books were in our house this past year. And I read and looked at the ship on which Gust died and the record and description of its sinking and how men were coming up on the deck and their flesh falling off them because of the burning fire having been hit by a torpedo. And I entered into the loss of my own family via my wife, that is, her family, the price that was paid. Blood has been shed for us. That at the human level becomes a graphic illustration of Jesus laying down his life for us. Blood was shed at Calvary. He laid down his life. He couldn't offer more. He paid the supreme sacrifice for you, by name. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I would lead you through the text, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
for the sheep a purpose, an end in mind, as did those who laid down their lives for us in war. Look at verse 15. Similar statement. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep, for us. Verse 17, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life. He understood why he was here and why he had come. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus teaching. This is Jesus speaking of the ultimate sacrifice he would pay. He knew he was going to die. Some soldiers know they are going to die. The odds are so great, they're pretty much counting on it. I mean, the morning that Normandy beaches were stormed, the blood flowing on the beaches and into the washing waves was enormous. Lives laid down. At that moment, I was a little boy tucked up in bed in England with no idea of the sacrifice that was being paid for us, for you. No idea. Oblivious. Sad to say, in many respects, we still remain this day for all the hymns we sing and the songs about Jesus. We are somewhat oblivious, really, to what was going on at Calvary as Jesus bled paying the price for our sin, suffering hell on the cross for our sin, tortured in his dying, all the physical wickedness of what sin has done in this world. His blood was shed. There was a price paid. It was the ultimate sacrifice. One last thing as we close. That we acknowledge this good shepherd and acknowledge him as our own. A shepherd that we are glad to ally ourselves to, yield to, surrender to, and call him mine. My shepherd. Psalm 23. How does it begin? The Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd, not just the shepherd, my shepherd. There was a man in England years ago by the name of Mr. Meadows. He was a child evangelist, and in the summers he would go village to village little town, little borough to little borough, out in the sticks, except in and around England and Scotland, the sticks are gorgeous little villages. And Mr. Meadows would have a child campaign, gather the children, and have a daily vacation Bible school. They didn't call it then. It was a children's mission. Children's Special Service Mission was what it was called, CSSM, 
It continues until this day with other volunteers. But Mr. Meadows, back in those days, would go in all by himself, gather the children who are on holiday from school, and have daily meetings. And one of his favorite talks was this. It actually was a series of five talks on the five words of the first sentence of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Day one, he would say, the Lord is my shepherd. And he would speak about the fact of the distinctiveness. The Lord. And he would describe who the Lord was. What a Lord he was. The Lord. Second talk, second day. The Lord. And then he would give a whole talk on what lordship is. Third day. The Lord is. Not was. Not maybe. Not sometime. Is. Is now. Is the good shepherd now. Brilliant piece of exegesis. I mean, couldn't we preach a whole sermon on this? Do you think John Guest could pull that off? Next day, the Lord is my shepherd. And he would give the children the opportunity of asking Jesus into their lives. And the way he would do it is this. At the close of his talk about all that Jesus had done for us as the good shepherd, just what we've been talking about. I don't think he gave quite the talk I gave to children. But they would have understood that Jesus died for them. So what he would have them do, because this is the ring finger for marriage, he would, have them ta- he would remind them of that and then have them take a hold of that finger and say, the Lord is my shepherd and have a prayer with them so that they could ask Jesus into their lives and while they were praying he would have them hanging on to that ring finger and tell them afterwards whatever trouble they got into from there on out however things shook down for them in life they could always grab a hold of that finger that fourth ring finger and say the Lord is my shepherd. Well, it so happened he was up in a little village in Scotland teaching this. And some months afterwards, one of the little boys caught up in the drama of that week of camp, so to speak, was shepherding the sheep, out amongst the sheep, a little shepherd boy, when a storm hit, a snowstorm hit up in the mountains, Suddenly, out of nowhere, heavy snow. That little boy nestled himself against the wall with some of the sheep. The snow covered him up. And he never survived. When the snow melted, they met him, so to speak, by finding him, looking for him. 
And when they found the little boy, there he was, still frozen cold dead, holding his ring finger. The parents had no idea what that meant. They hadn't been a part of the mission. So as they were asking around, what do you think that could have meant? Someone said, if you call up Mr. Meadows down in London, you phone him, he'll be able to tell you. Which is what they did. Mr. Meadows said to them, I'm sorry about you losing your son, but I can tell you this. He is in heaven with Jesus. As sad as it is to lose someone, to know that they are in heaven with Jesus. The Lord is a good shepherd. He knows you. He has paid the ultimate sacrifice for you by name. Do you count yourself his sheep? Do you count yourself his? Bow your heads with me. Let's have a prayer together. Take a hold of that ring finger, would you? I'm going to lead you in a prayer that you might own Jesus as your Savior. So you take a hold of that ring finger, you know the significance of it. Finger bearing the ring of commitment in marriage. Let me lead you in prayer and you speak to the Lord privately in your own heart but to him. You say to him, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for knowing who I am. Thank you for calling me this morning by my name. As I clasp this finger, it is symbolic, Lord, of reaching out to you, taking a hold of you, and devoting myself to you. Forgive me my sin for which you died. Fill me with yourself, Lord Jesus. Make me your very own. And as I pray this prayer, I make you my very Lord and Savior. I give myself to you. I surrender to you. I devote myself to you. I am yours. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So whatever life brings you, remember, take a hold of that ring finger and say to yourself, do it with me now, will you? Right now, and say with me, 
The Lord is my shepherd. Again, the Lord is my shepherd. Do you remember that? He will never leave you nor forsake you.